To be honest, I pray that you see none of me as we go through, and we're in First Peter today, and we are going to be dealing with uh, to live in freedom. What does that look like? We're going to be in First Peter 3. Peter's name is listed first. Also, uh, Peter was mentioned more than any other person besides Jesus in the New Testament. Okay, Uh, those conversations. And uh, Peter speaks uh, the most of any of the apostles. So Peter's words are used most. So Peter plays a huge part. Many people use the rock uh, as they, they look at. And Peter plays this section of it. And so you have to know the context of what Peter's doing uh, in this letter. Um, this letter is also written to uh, persecuted believers. Okay, Many of them were probably uh, Jewish that have now once again found Christ, turned to Christ, but there was also Gentiles in this. And it is uh, in, under Roman authority. Okay, So they're very persecuted. And one of the reasons why they're persecuted are one of the The reasons that people believe that they were persecuted is because of a guy by the name of Nero. Nero was uh, emperor of Rome, okay? And in uh, 65 AD, there was huge fires throughout Rome. Many people believe that Nero set those fires, okay? To basically take the property and rebuild things the way they wanted. But like, unlike any politician today, he couldn't take the blame for it. So who was to blame? It was the Christians. Christians were put to blame. Now, I'm sure it wasn't all the reason for persecution. It was, uh, some people believe that. There was, they even had a place called the Circus of Nero, which was basically talking uh, about where basically many Christians were killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. Nero had many, many debaucheries, many, many had a huge sexual appetite and lust 
for what things that he wanted. And at those times, many Christians were persecuted. You know that actually that the circus of Nero is actually now, a lot of it is located right uh, at the same place as where Vatican City is. Uh, and where now that has been taken up because many people believe that is where Peter and Paul were martyred at. You can't trust everything uh, that's on the internet. Shocking. But this is the, the PG version of the Wikipedia version of some of what it was like in Nero's time. The privately owned circus was then inherited by Nero, who made the circus public so he could invite them to cheer him on. The circus was used in 65 to carry out mass executions of the Christians accused of scapegoats of the fires themselves. The circus was the site of the first organized state-sponsored martyrdoms of Christians. Tradition holds that two years later, St. Peter and many other Christians shared their fate. We're going to be talking today about how to live in freedom when you're living in a world of crisis. We're going to be talking about the amazing grace that is allotted all of our lives and other people's lives in our gratitude towards God. As you can tell in 1 Peter 3, 8 through 9, what we just read at the very beginning, it talks about finally all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. It helps us look at our lives and how we are to live, to be compassionate, to be humble, to love one another. These aren't just words that we say that, oh, they're nice and they're sweet. These are practical fruits that you can see in people's lives. And a lot of times, these fruit don't make sense in the world today. In the flesh's view, it does not make sense to be kind to someone who's being mean to you. We're going to go back one chapter in chapter uh, 2 of 1 Peter. We're going to start there because we're going to take a, a little bit, and we're going to start in verse 11. And we're going to take a look at what it looks like to live a godly life in a worldly society. And not just a worldly society, one that persecutes believers. It says this in verse 11, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governor's who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talks of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers Fear God, 
honor the emperor. Point number one, personal stake. Personal stake. At the beginning of verse 11, Peter talks about friendship. He's dear friends. Peter's talking to people headed in the same direction. These are people that are living for Christ. He's urging them, pushing them, encouraging them as exiles and foreigners to this land to abstain from sinful desires. We now, as believers, live in Christ. We have Jesus as our advocate, our Savior. When we live for him, we no longer live for the world. We are now fish out of water. There is a difference. It then jumps, which I think is a huge word here. It says abstain. Abstain. What does abstain mean? Well, you can look it up. Abstain means it's to choose not to do or have something. It also means to refrain deliberately and often with an effort of self-denial from the action or practice. We sometimes like to joke around, I'll abstain from that food today. I'm, you know, trying to stay in shape. But it, this is a much bigger context. We will use the example of sex today. To abstain from sex until you're married. Society has now flipped it on its head. God wants to protect you, wants to have you with someone. And the world today says, no, you don't need to abstain. You don't need to abstain. This is your life. This is your way. This is how you do things. God cares for your personal stake. He cares for you. I think so many times we think of these as rules, as just things that sometimes we can follow. These are, these are ways that God loves you. God wants to protect you and guide you in all these ways. This letter that Peter wrote is talking to people who are believers in Jesus, but they are living in a pagan, fallen society. Believers are no longer home in that society. And the question I would have for you, if you still feel like you are at home in the society, how is your walk with Christ? If you are feeling comfortable in this world, how's your walk? Because I would ask a question, we are no longer of this world. Before you found Christ, that fallen world felt agreeable. I'll say comfortable, probably not the best word, but it felt like, you know, there might be some areas of self-satisfaction and there were some desires of your heart were commonplace. But after you found Jesus... Those desires of sin, passions of selfishness, the comfortableness of the world, it began a whole new battle. After Christ, doesn't it feel that there were sins or things that were comfortable and there was conviction? The Holy Spirit started challenging you on things and all of a sudden it's like, this is not the same world that I was living in. This is, there's something different here. This is now realizing that you are abstaining from things. You are now obeying. There's a personal stake that you are being pulled away from this world. I know I'm jumping all up. Uh, I'm going to jump right in here, but you know that we're at spiritual war, right? 
Like this is a spiritual battle for your soul, not like once a year, not like once every five years, not once. It's, it's every minute. It's every moment. It's everything. I, I will tell you, it is hard now to go even work out at the gym. Because ladies, and I will tell you online, ladies, you are leaving nothing to the imagination. Nothing. And now they would love to try to video guys that will even take a glance and post it on social media. So now at the gym, I'm like this. Where's the weights? Like you can't even look. It's because they get their identity from what the what people look at them like. And all of a sudden, God, God say, no, I got something better for you. I got something personal for you. I love you. Do you not know who you are in Christ? Do you not know that? And those kind of examples happen all over the world, and you can name them for your own self and your own your passions and desires, but we must be of the Holy Spirit. And I think a great thing is, I like the word vortex better than whirlpool, but vortex is like this like thing that starts pulling you in. It starts pulling you in that, that whirlpool, like there's been, you can see some in waters and where it will drag you in. A lot of us and a lot of people and Christians really care about the final stage where it pulls you down, where it finally takes you under. It's the whirlpool, it gets you. You know, the part that you should be concerned about is the outer edge where it starts pulling you in where it starts pulling you in, because all of a sudden we have things in our life that we don't deal with, and all of a sudden it starts pulling us closer. It might be, it might be for guys, it might be, hey, we're, we're dealing with lust, and we're not going to really, we're just going to look at it. And it might be, oh, it might be money. Money starts just taking over. i got to make sure I have this. But then all of a sudden I need a little bit more in the bank account, or this is what's value to me, and all of a sudden it starts to creep in. It never just comes like a huge rock right in the middle usually. It's the outer edge that starts pulling you in. It might be something you're dealing with, but you don't want to share with other people or you don't want to talk about because you don't really want to deal with it because people would look at you differently and they might think of you differently. Even though you know it's best for you, you're going to hold on to it. And it just starts that drain. And you know what happens? It just starts getting quicker and closer and closer until all of a sudden you wonder why you're under trying to, trying to swim. We have to beware it's a personal stake. That's why God loves you. The grace is for you. The grace, he did not just come for your neighbor. He came for you. There's personal stake in this. God loves you. And here's the shocker. The Lord knows we are at war. All right? He knows that. He's aware. He's in control. He wins. We're on the winning team. But you know what? He gives us words of encouragement. He gives us words of discernment. He gives us challenging, convicting words in the Bible. And he's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given these things because he has a personal stake in you. He wants to protect you. He wants to guide you. He wants to love you. And that's why we have the scripture. That's why we meet and gather. That's why we talk, because he wants to correct us. He would not be a loving father if he didn't. My daughters are having really trouble sleeping right now. They love to wake up at 3.30 in the morning. I'm trying to fix it. If I said it's okay, all that, yeah, you do you, whatever, just play video games. Cool, awesome. Do I really love them? Because they're, I can tell you one thing, they're whiny. 
when they don't get sleep and they don't eat. You know what? You're whiny when you don't get the word and when you're not with God. When you pray and you're hungry too, you know? But, that, but that's, there's a personal stake in this. And that is what Peter's letter does so well. He shows the full arsenal, the full beauty, the full elegance, and the full grace of God. And all that it entails. It's a great letter. As Doug was talking about there, you could just read this letter and you would have a great view of what the Christ, what Jesus is in the Christian life is. It's a beautifully put together letter. And how glorious it, glorious is it that we personally get to experience the grace of God. I'm very thankful that we get the honor to look back and remember all the graces God has in our lives. To look at the times God has been faithful, to be blessed that we are friends with fellow believers. And at the same time, we can be aware that we are aliens of this world. And that is why and how we know we have a personal stake in this relationship with God. But as we know, point number two, it's not all about you. I think a lot of people in today's day and age love the personal stake. God loves me. Awesome. You know, as, as Paul Washer would say, I love me too. Like, I love myself. Like, well, of course God loves me. But it's not all about you. Others have a stake in this life as well. In 1 Peter 3 and in 1 Peter 2, to what we've been reading today, Peter is talking about like-minded Loving one another, being compassionate to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against your soul. And why is he doing this? Because he also wants believers to show grace, which we have just talked about, which has been shown to us, that same personal grace that we get to enjoy, that same beauty that we get to enjoy. He wants to share that same grace with the lost world. With those that are persecution, uh, the persecuting those Jews, those persecuting those Gentiles. He wants to share that same grace with a lost, hungry world. And I will tell you, if they don't get it from Jesus, it ain't coming from anywhere else. There's no other. There's a time in your life you can say, oh, there, there, there's no other. There's nothing else. The only grace of Jesus Christ is going to save your neighbor. They could be the best cook ever. That won't get it done. They could have the best lawn ever. That ain't going to get it done. It is the grace of Jesus Christ that gets it done. In 1 Peter 2.12, in 1 Peter 2.12, he says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I'm just going to jump to 1 Peter 3. You've heard it twice already. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. We are called to yield to God's grace in our lives. We have to process with the Holy Spirit whether or not we are abstaining from sin 
And things of the world that would pull us in like that vortex are the whirlpool of sin or not. And the reason why so much is I am telling you because people that are lost, that are still in this world, they are watching you. You may not like the fact they are watching you. You might not want to be watched, but here's the shocking thing. If you say you are a Christ follower, people will be watching you. And what they want is they want you to fall because it helps them realize, okay, that person's wrong, so I don't have to jump into that. Because if it's really real, then I might have to see that. And so instead of dealing with God, which they really don't want to deal with because he's perfect, we're going to deal with the fallen people that aren't perfect, but we're going to watch. We're going to watch. We're going to watch how you handle things at work. We're going to watch how you handle things at the checkout line. We're going to watch how you work out. We're going to watch, oh, they don't go to church. How they, however, they judge it. And I will tell you, you can't be responsible for that, but you can be responsible for your own life. You can be responsible of not getting in the vortex of sin of going to the Holy Spirit, going to repentance, going to Him. Because the world is looking for faults and reasons not to believe in Jesus. You must know people are watching you. And here's the thing, it's not just with your words, but it's your actions. But also, it's not just your actions, it's your words. Because some of you live it out, but every time that you have an opportunity to bring up Jesus, you don't say anything. You don't talk about it. We are not supposed to be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of it. Yes, we are to live it out, but there are times in our lives when we are with someone and they are searching for it, and you've got to say what your life is on. My life is on the rock, not Peter, Jesus. My life is on that. And so you be able to communicate it. It's not an either or, it's both. It's combined the way you talk, the way you communicate, and the way you live. It's not pick and choose. First Peter 2.16, as we've read, continues, and it says this, that we are to live as free people. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. You are to show God's grace to everyone. And that leads to live a life by point number three, gratitude to Christ. Gratitude to Christ. I love the first couple of words of the verse of 16. It says, we are to live as free people. You know, our ruler is Jesus Christ. Our ruler is not our job. Our ruler is not our TV screen. Our ruler is not the government. We are to honor it, but it is not our ruler. Our ruler is Jesus Christ. Sometimes we forget who the ruler is. Even people in the lost world, they will know one day who the ruler is. And the thing is, is we cannot forget who the ruler is as we walk our lives with Christ. 
The people that are reading this letter of Peter are under much more persecution than we are right now. Our persecution might come later, but we are not to live in fear. We are not to live as people locked up. We are to live free, but we are to use it wisely because we are to live as God's slaves. This leads us back to God's yoke being easy, that he loves you and he cares for you as a father, that his grace was there for you while you were still a sinner, that he would send his son to die a horrible death for you that is the God we serve. In our gratitude and obedience, we are to be directed by him, guided by him. Wearsby asked a great question, and I, I love it. Are we able to live in such a way that you could give up things in your life for the salvation of others? Let me, let me say that again for those in the back. Are we able to live in such a way that you could give up things in your life for the salvation of others. That goes back to, it's not all being about you. This is when it comes full circle. Because the ultimate question will be, when people look at your lives, are you a witness for the faith, or are you an excuse to go from the faith? Do people use your life as an excuse to run towards Jesus? Or is it a reason to turn and run away? Are our lives in gratitude to Christ? Are our lives in submission to him? Are they for ourselves? I have salvation, but I'm still going to live my way. Awesome for me. How do our lives look? After verse 16 comes 17, I can count. It says, to show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. Can and do you show proper respect to everyone? When people are mean, at you, mean to you at work, do you show them proper respect? Because your loyalty is to God and for their salvation. Because you know where you're going and who your salvation is in. You live differently. You're now living on mission. You're now living for Christ because now it's not about your integrity. It's about now I'm willing to honor and respect this person. I'm willing to, to grow with this person. I'm willing to, to go with that person because now I'm much more worried about your salvation than, than my persecution. That's a lot different than, than I think many of us want to live or have been taught to live. And a lot of us are going, well, when do we push back? When's that line where we push back? I'm just letting you know, Jesus went to the cross. And I've been told we are supposed to live like him. I'm told we are to live like him. I'm told we are supposed to, to be there. But I also know that Jesus also flipped over tables when his home was under attack. There are times where you can stand up things, but you know what was always funny? Jesus always did that when people were going at his father. 
or they were misusing him. The problem is, is many of us love to get angry when it's us being offended. Many of us do not get offended when God's offended. Many of us do not get really upset if someone says something on the TV that offends Jesus. Many of us don't, don't go down in prayer or we don't pray or we don't cry over God's name being mocked openly. But don't say anything bad about me because you touch my name. Woo! Back in high school, I had the three strike rule. You could offend me three times, but then I was done with you. I don't know if I was really living the Christ life style at that moment. I don't know if that was Jesus, but that was like me. Yeah, me. Yeah, like, hey, you get three strikes. Well, first one, okay. That's me because I love you and Jesus. Everyone makes a mistake. Second one's like, okay, you're teetering. That third one, I'm done. I'm not going to deal with you. I'm not going to deal with you. Then I love how many times, uh, how many times are we supposed to forgive people? (laughs) More than three. I can guarantee you that. But in your life, Where are you at with that? When your neighbors are outside and you are out there as well, what do they see? What do they see? Does your words honor them? Does your words honor Christ? Do do your actions? What does your family see? Many of us have lost loved ones. In our own family. I'm telling you, God ain't done with them yet. You might have given up, but God hasn't. God loves them just as much as they love, he loves you. Because they're sinners. And here's the secret. He loved us while we were still sinners. So your life, don't give up on your life on that. Live it continually in gratitude towards Christ. And the ultimate thing that we have to realize... It's not supposed to be you when people look at it. This is the biggest thing I want you guys. It's supposed to be the Holy Spirit. And that is the living freely part. It isn't you. It's not about your actions, but his through you. So many of us be like, oh, I did this today. I got this. I got this. And now God loves me more. No. Okay. It's the gratitude through him because through your life, you get to live And show Holy Spirit to others. Because now you're being obedient. You're loving someone when they're really hard to love. Because here's the shocker. You can't do it. You can't do it. But it's through the Holy Spirit. It's through praying. It's through knowing Him. That is how you know. It also says that we are supposed to love our family. And that is our family of believers. And that is our church. That statement is a two-way street I want you guys to recognize. There are times in this church or whatever church that you need to give. But there are also times where you need to receive. There are times where there's times for, where you need to be healed or there's times for recover. But there are also times where you need to go and help. And the biggest thing is, is when you need help, you need to ask and you need to verbalize. But if you continue to hide, that's not loving your family. You're not helping your family. And when there are times where you see someone in need, we as a family need to love and come alongside. And the only way we can do that is by knowing each other, loving each other, living it out. Everything. And everything in this church family is God's. Everyone in here, a believer, 
is filled with the Holy Spirit. And we must respect and honor God's will. I want to close with a couple of verses on realizing our personal stake in this spiritual warfare. And realizing that it's not just about you, but others. And realizing that we live in gratitude and respect the authority of God. 1 Peter 3, 10 through 12. So we just read 8 and 9. We're going to finish with reading 1 Peter 3, 10 through 12. It says this. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now I wanted to go back because Peter does a great job. He pulls out from the Old Testament a lot. And this is actually coming back from Psalms 34, 12 through 16. And I'm going to read that and you're going to hear something very similar. But I just want you to listen to, to these beautiful words. It says this in Psalms 34, verse 12. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. I pray that we are righteous. I pray that we are to live righteous because his words do not come back void. We are called, we have a personal stake in this. And I, I don't want us to stop. I want us to be able to live a righteous life so that we live it in grace for others and in gratitude to Christ. I want you to know too that God will hear your cries. I want us to get out of the concept that he will answer the way I want him to answer. That is us moving God to our. No, but God hears your cries. God hears them. So I don't want you to stop. Don't stop with that. I heard today of a friend of a friend who's going through some horrible stuff. I didn't know what the words to say. I, I, I just knew one thing. I knew I could go to the Father. I knew I could start praying for him. I knew I, I had Jesus because he loves that person. And that's where I could go to. I would love to come up with the elegant words, but here's the thing, that's not what the Holy Spirit, I'm going to the Father. I'm gonna go because I wanna live in gratitude and I wanna live in respect and I wanna go to someone that actually could do something. And I pray that our lives are like that. So when people look at their lives, it's not just, oh, that's what he does. He's going to the Father. That's what's what she does. When she needs time, she goes to the Father. She's with the Father. She's with him. And I think the question that we have to ask ourselves as we close, why are you doing what you're doing? Is it for your own personal stake and that's where it stops? Is it for other people's stake? Or is it for all three? Is it in great, great gratitude for God and what he's done? And in that you get to share with others what God has done in your life and know the personal stake 
the personal sins he's taken away from your life. What a great way to live. Don't stop at one. Don't stop at I have salvation and I'm done. Go towards the end and then live in that way. As we sing, the altar will be open. If you need to repent, come up here. If you just need to praise God, you're like, God, I want to come. It's here. And if it's if it's there sitting or if it's there standing or if it's, it's just listening, go to the Father and deal with Him. Let's sing.